Let me tell you a story, podcast number 10. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Call me Ishmael. It was the age of wisdom. Some years ago. It was the age of Never mind. It is a truth universally You don't know about me without you. Welcome to Let Me Tell You a Story with hosts Steve and Becky Lyle. Settle back into your seat, step onto your favorite fitness machine, or lace up your walking shoes, and enjoy stories from a variety of genres and authors. Hi, this is Steve. Hi, this is Becky. Podcast number 10. Wow. 10 podcasts may not sound like much to you, but this is a milestone for us as getting Let Me Tell You a Story up and running had its challenges. But we're on a roll now, and we have a fun theme for this session. New friends. Our readings all come from writers we've met in recent months, one in Wyoming, one in Idaho, and one in Colorado. We'll begin with Steve reading from Eugene Shea's poetry book titled The Last Caboose, Poetry for Pleasure. I'm especially pleased to have Eugene as a new friend, because he lives in Hannah, Wyoming, the small mining town in the southeastern corner of the state where my parents lived for many years during my dad's coal mining days. Steve will read several selections from Eugene's book. I'm going to read three. Um, You know, I like Eugene's poetry. Um, He just has a good way about him. Fun guy. This one's called Meeting by Chance. Traffic light turned red. She had plenty of time to stop. She was checking her makeup and collided with this cop. I've never heard a policeman lecture a lady in such a tone. You'd think the damaged police car was a vehicle of his own. The squad car belonged to the city, which should have caused no strife. But the culprit in the intersection was his absent-minded wife. That's how they met that day. This is called... Never be seen in a stolen hat. A guy walked up to me today, says, Haven't I met you somewhere before? Well, I've been several places in my time. You'll have to describe it a little more. It could have been at the Moose Hall, or maybe at the county fair, or at the Democrat summer picnic. But I assured him I wasn't there. How about the beanery on West Front Street? I admitted it's a place I'm often found at. I knew something about you looks familiar. You're the turkey that stole my hat. Never switch hats because he, his is newer, especially if the owner is a larger guy. Now my head is bare, no hat at all, but I have a beauty of a black eye. This one's called The Specialist. Many days I have lain in this hospital bed, hard as pavement on my aching backbone. Not sick enough that I can rest content, but too sick for the doc to send me home. I'm feeling forgotten, the one left behind. Only the nurses bearing pills come around. As day follows day, how long must I stay? Has the cause of my malaise been found? This morning a stranger walked into my room. I can tell he's the kind of a doctor that cares. Some kind of a specialist, I would assume. I can tell by the cut of the beard he wears. Looking very well this morning, young man. Poked and probed me and walked all around. A couple more days and you'll be out of here. In maybe a week, you'll be back on the town. 
Now, here is a doc that is my kind of a doc. That's the diagnosis I've been waiting to hear. A couple more nights on this plank I can stand just knowing that my release is so near. A slight young fellow in in hospital garb shows up at the door of my room. Come to call my sympathetic visitor away to some emergency case, I must assume. Seems I've seen this messenger here before, perhaps in the company of a mop or a broom. Trash is all gathered and waiting for you, Bill, he informed my guest as they leave my room. Those are fun poems. Hope we hear more from Eugene in the future. Now, suspense novelist T.R. Fisher, reading all the way from Colorado, will share a chapter from her book titled A Man Around the House. In addition to having suspense writing in common with T.R., we both share a love for bison. I write about buffalo in my Winds of Wyoming series, and she raises them in the Colorado Rockies. I need to pick T.R.'s brain one of these days. A Man Around the House by T.R. Fisher Chapter 2 Here we are, had no empty seats in the waiting area. After Tara rang up her last morning client, a man walked in. Hello. Tara wanted to say more, but her brain shorted out. This guy was not from Pineview. He looked like he'd stepped out of a magazine, rugged and clean-cut at the same time. His loopy blonde hair was longer than most businessmen wore theirs, but his jeans and button-down shirt weren't the kind a laborer could afford. They looked as though they'd been tailored to fit. His sleek leather jacket probably cost more than she made in three months. Must be a tourist who took the wrong exit. He strode to the counter, flashing a slightly crooked smile that made her breath catch. He glanced at the full waiting area. Hi, I need a haircut. Is there any way you can fit me in? He smelled good, something musky, masculine. Tara looked down at the schedule as if there was an option besides, forget it, pal, not today. I'm really sorry, we're completely booked. She smiled an apology. If he only knew how sorry she was. He slid out his wallet, leaned close. Are you averse to a little bribery? He pulled out a $50 bill and slid it toward her. Another smile. This one full of mischief. Tara covered a grin with the back of her hand. She was a part-time manager at a run-down salon in Nowhereville. Not the maitre d' at a fine dining establishment in San Francisco. He lifted a brow asking again. The long list of things she needed money for now included her broken-down car. Fifty bucks was right in front of her. So was he, like a puppy she couldn't resist cuddling. Earlene was busy shampooing someone. Tara erased and rewrote a few names, moving things around on the schedule, just like Earlene did to her all the time. May I have your name? Bo Michaels. Tara jotted it down. Should I wait over there? He shrugged broad shoulders out of his coat. No, I'll be right with you. Tara didn't feel right taking the money. She left it alone and went over to Gwen. Did you have espresso this morning? Gwen had confided that she either worked slow or fast, depending on what she had to drink beforehand. Yeah? Why? 
Gwen looked from Tara to the man, then back. I'm almost finished. She kept her voice low. Does he want a cut, or does he want to spend the night? I can do either, or both, if the price is right. Gwen busted a sultry move. Tara snorted. The brothels are across the state line. He was watching, a comical look on his face. Tara hoped he couldn't hear. I can get to him in a sec. Gwen gave Tara a pleading look. Do you have time to shampoo him? If I don't take a potty break, I'm going to die. Actually, I want you to take care of Missy Laporte. She'll be in soon. Gwen's hand went to her hip. You're going to pull rank and take Mr. Wonderful? Tara managed to keep a straight face. Missy will want something like this. Tara put a hand to her hair. You're twice as fast, and she always tips well. Bo followed the woman to the rear of the shop. The view from behind was as good as the one from the front. He laughed at himself. Bribery for a haircut. What was that about? But she left his money on the counter for some reason. So he'd stuffed it in his pocket. I'm Tara. She seated him in front of a shampoo bowl. Nice to meet you. She stood beside him and rolled his collar inside his shirt. Her hands were warm, her touch gentle. I really appreciate you working me in. I'm on my way to a meeting in Reno. I forgot to get my hair cut before I left the city. Well, not exactly. He made the appointment but hadn't shown up. Chronic overscheduling was his Achilles heel. You're from San Francisco? She wrapped a towel around his neck, tucking it in front. Yes, and if he convinced Nicholas Blake to move forward on the development deal, he'd be making the trek often. Maybe he would even leave San Francisco for Tahoe. After five years, life in the city was wearing thin. Tara reclined the chair, guiding him back to the shampoo bowl. We'll have to make this quick. No problem. The water turned on. She adjusted the temperature, running a little on his scalp. Does this feel okay? Perfect. Normally, Bo closed his eyes and thought about work. That was usually what he thought about when his eyes were open as well. His other bad habit, obsessive-compulsive working disorder. This time, all he could conjure were Tara's luminous eyes and smooth caramel skin. What she did with her hands relaxed him. For someone who was overbooked, she certainly took her time. Was this just how things were done in a small town? Conditioner? she asked, after rinsing out the shampoo. Please. Another massage. This one's smoother. Tension eased from his neck and shoulders. I wish you could do this for an hour. He peered up at her. Me too. Her face flushed. She quickly turned on the water and began rinsing his hair. I mean, I wish I didn't have such a busy afternoon. Bo chuckled. So she was feeling it too. Tara finished and brought the chair up. She dried his hair with brisk movements, then touched his shoulder. This way, please. Tara guided Bo to her station. Sorry, I don't usually hurry my clients. He shrugged. I understand. I didn't have an appointment. Do you want me to follow the same lines as your current cut? That would be great. Bo smiled, and Tara tried not to melt. She worked quickly. Uh, a short while later, she cleaned up the nape of his neck with her straight razor. How is the length? Tara kept her eyes on his hair. It's great. He ran his hands through the waves. Thanks, Tara. No problem. You look good. She touched his shoulders. His warm eyes drew her in. Her face heated. I mean, you look good for your meeting. He cast some sort of spell on her, rendering her normal defenses and her brain inoperable. 
She wasn't sure she liked the freewheeling feeling. It was like somersaulting downhill, exhilarating and terrifying at once. Terror removed the cutting cape and shook it out, then straightened his collar. Bo stood, reached in his breast pocket. Here's my card. I'll put you in my cell so I can call ahead next time. He passed her the card and pulled out his phone. Heat rushed through her. Tara wished she were at Moe's diner so she could dash into the freezer for a minute, or twenty. She glanced down. Behind his card was the folded fifty-dollar bill. You pay up front. Earlene can help you. I know. This is for you. He closed her hand around it. Tara gaped at him. It's too much. What's your cell number? Next time I'll call ahead. Her deflector shield suddenly became operational. Why would she give a perfect stranger her number, even if he was the Pied Piper of hormones? Flirting was fine since he wasn't a local, but she wouldn't take it any further. I don't have one. You can get one of my cards at the counter up front. Bo's eyes said he thought she was lying. His grin said he thought it was funny. Okay, he slipped on his jacket paid Earlene for the cut, and plucked a card from the counter on his way out. Tara began cleaning her station. Let him think what he wanted. She'd never see him again. Who lived in San Francisco and got their hair cut in Pineview? She worked her way through the next several appointments, irked by how often her thoughts flitted to Bo. Her hand went to the pocket, holding his card. And his money. Well, now it was hers. She felt conflicted. By mid-afternoon, Tara was ravenous. Her next client wasn't due right away. Maybe she could run to the diner for a quick bite. First, she needed a drink. She pulled a paper cup from a drawer in her workstation and went to the water cooler. A woman cleared her throat. Where are the clean cups for the rest of us? Tara stiffened. She knew that voice. But she chugged her water and refilled. It wasn't her fault Earlene was so cheap. She didn't supply decent drinking cups. Tara had gone to the expense of buying her own so she wouldn't have to use the stained coffee mugs Earlene kept on hand. I had a three o'clock appointment. That was seven minutes ago. Oh, that voice grated. Earlene was manning the front. Let her deal with it. If it were anyone else, Tara would step up. Michelle Fixmer had had it in for Tara since their 14-minute friendship came to an end in 10th grade. Excuse me? Yolanda, I'm talking to you. My name is not Yolanda. After downing her refill, Tara crushed the cup, imagining it was Michelle's head. She tossed it in the trash can and noticed a rapt young audience looking on from the seating area. Tara turned toward Michelle. Well? Michelle drummed her nails on the counter. Hi, Michelle. Tara's stomach burned. It chafed that her body still reacted this way. Where was Earlene? Michelle flicked her hair over her shoulder. I have to chaperone the dance tonight. I need time to steam my dress. I'll see who you're booked with. Tara couldn't keep the edge from her voice. You're doing my hair. Earlene promised. Michelle leaned over the counter and peeked at the book. Don't you know your own schedule? Tara thought she might throw up when she saw Michelle penciled in for a shampoo and style. She couldn't fathom touching her. But if she refused, she'd be fired. And pride didn't pay the bills. Her thoughts went to Graham, who demonstrated poise in every circumstance. She took a deep breath, reminding herself 
This would all be over in a matter of months. Michelle seated herself at Terrace Station. She pulled a crumpled magazine photo from her purse and foisted it toward Tara. This is what I want. It was a demand, an impossible one. Tara's gaze toggled between the photo and Michelle's hair. It would take a miracle. A miracle, hair extensions, and seven hours. Chapter 3 Tara searched for what to say to Michelle. It's a beautiful style. I can do something similar, but not this exactly. Michelle's face clouded. Why not? Tara plunged ahead, cringing inwardly. Your hair is quite a bit shorter than the models in this picture. She touched a spot on Michelle's back. Hers is at least this long. She went on to explain an alternative. To her surprise, Michelle accepted her proposal without rancor. When she was finished, Tara passed her hand mirror, spinning the chair so she could see how it looked. Michelle fingered a curl at the nape of her neck. What do you think? Tara asked. I like it. Considering the source, the words felt like high praise. Tara relaxed. Do you have someone to help you into your dress? She removed the cape from Michelle's shoulders. My mom will be home. Tara recoiled at the mention of June Fixmer. If Michelle was a bad apple, and there was no question about that, June was the tree. Gwen came over. You look gorgeous. Are you going to the dance? I'm a chaperone, said Michelle. Gwen beamed. You're going to make all the girls jealous. What color is your dress? Michelle's eyes narrowed. Black and red? Michelle, this is Gwen Simpson, Tara offered. She started here a few weeks ago. Stay right there. Gwen hurried to her workstation and burrowed in a drawer. She returned with several red jewels, each on the end of curled wire. I can put these in if you like them. They would show up nicely against your hair. Are they the right shade for your dress? Michelle took a jewel and inspected it. These are pretty. They're just the right color. She held one up to her hair. How much are they? Oh, you can borrow them. Just bring them back next week. Without waiting for an answer, Gwen placed them in Michelle's hair. I wish I could see you with your dress on. Gwen was cheerful, unguarded. Tara remembered when she used to be that way, before people like Michelle taught her better. Tara locked the door after the last client left. Ha! You may say I'm a slave driver, but look at this. Erlene held up the bank deposit, her painted-on eyebrows arched high. We broke a record today. What do you say to that? She slapped the wad against her palm several times. A lunch break would have been nice. Tara rubbed her neck. Lunch? Erling snorted. You'll be able to pay your utility bill or fix your car with the money you made today. Maybe my utility bill, but it won't come close to paying for my car repairs. Her heart sank as she remembered her car and Sal's unanswered messages. Honey, I guarantee Sal will make you a deal, Erling said. He's in love with you. Sal's in love with himself. Well, you can use that to your advantage. All you need to do is don't even go there. Tara cleaned the display case. He runs the only auto shop in town. You know how it works. He can charge whatever he wants and take as long as he likes. I have classes in Reno several times a week. I can't go without my car. What do you mean, I know how it works? Erling snapped. Tara turned toward her boss. 
saw her narrowed eyes. I, I just meant that... Erlene stepped closer. Look, I run a smooth operation here and no one gets built. Sal isn't honest, Gwen chimed in. He does whatever he can get away with. Tara threw Gwen a grateful look. Last month, he told me it would take a week to get my car fixed, Gwen continued. After my uncle stopped in, Sal got it done in two days. He's a pig. He sure doesn't look like one. Earlene waved the deposit in the air. I'll tell you what, she gave Tara a pointed look. You two would make a beautiful couple and adorable babies. Tara rolled her eyes. The idea of making anything with Sal, especially babies, turned her stomach. Thank you, T.R. You can read more about her and her books at trfisher.com. That's T-R-F-I-S-C-H-E-R dot com. Our next writer is Carla Dalkey. I met Carla in a Boise, Idaho hiking and snowshoeing group. We have lots of fun chatting and enjoying fresh air, exercise, and beautiful vistas together. Carla's husband was a pastor for many years, and she partnered with him in the ministry. Her poem, titled I Will Never Leave You, is about drawing close to God. I will never leave you. I got up bright and early to start my day with you, but my mind won't seem to focus. And there's nothing I can do. I want to give you all of me and lift you up as king and forever bask in your wonderful love and to you praises bring. Why then do I struggle, and why is it such a chore? My heart cries out to give you all. I want to give you more. Chorus Even as I speak, dear Lord, your still small voice I hear. I will never leave you, my child. I'm always here. Thank you for reminding me time and time again that you've already paid the price and taken away my sin. Help me focus on your life, for it alone is right. I'll set aside the lies learned and focus on your life. Yes, I'll set aside the lies I've learned and focus on your life. Lord, I feel like such a failure. I've let you down again. How do I start over? Where do I begin? It's not that I've committed some huge, outrageous sin. It's just that I've shut the door on you and haven't let you in. Please take away this hopelessness and help me turn from the lie. Cause me to fix my eyes on you. I willingly choose to die. Chorus. Even as I speak, dear Lord, your still small voice I hear. I will never leave you, my child. I'm always here. Thank you for reminding me time and time again that you've already paid the price and taken away my sin. Help me focus on your life, for it alone is right. I'll set aside the lies learned and focus on your life. Yes, I'll set aside the lies I've learned and focus on your life. Once again, you've opened my eyes to see what you want me to see. It's not my life you want to exalt, but yours inside of me. How could I have been so blind when you died to give me your life? I'll start right now to choose this gift and stop from all my strife. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you for giving your life to me. And remind me daily that only in you 
will I ever be all I can be. Even as I speak, dear Lord, your still small voice I hear. I will never leave you, my child. I'm always here. Thank you for reminding me time and time again that you've already paid the price and taken away my sin. Help me focus on your life, for it alone is right. I'll set aside the lies learned and focus on your life. Yes, I'll set aside the lies I've learned and focus on your life. Carlos, looking for a... Uh, for someone to set that to music, I will never leave you to music. So if you're a songwriter and this poem resonates with you, contact us. We'll put you in touch with her. Thanks to Eugene Shea, T.R. Fisher, and Carla Dalkey for sharing your writings with us. These have been great. I want to read one I did. It's not a poem, but uh, talking about friendship today and friends, here's, uh, here's um, an experience I had. Have you ever heard friendship? Have you ever been somewhere where you've never been before, a place where you know there'll be people you've never met? Did your hands sweat from apprehension? Then you know what I'm talking about. I had never been to the weekly church breakfast where a bunch of guys prove their youthful appetites, so I knew I'd be the newbie. Butterflies. Though most of the chairs already had occupants, I found out where uh, I could park myself. I watched and followed everyone, you know, how they go through the food line and they help themselves to whatever they wanted to eat. And understandably, there was a little basket for $1 donations. That's something I had not considered and I was broke. Fortunately, the pastor whom I met in a class came over to welcome me and say he'd cover the cost. Just enjoy the time and the food. Phew, it was all going better than I'd feared. I know I know that's normal. Someone stood up to list the announcements and asked if there was anyone there for the first time. Oops. I wasn't about to raise my hand, let alone stand up and reveal myself. So I sat, keeping my head low like a school kid who doesn't know the answer to the teacher's question. Then I heard a voice say, I'd like to introduce my friend Steve Lyles, and we're glad he's here. I wondered, what am I supposed to do now? After what seemed like forever, applause broke out, and I knew at that moment that I was accepted as I was, no questions asked, and that's partly because that's just the way those great guys are wired, and partly because the man who had come to slightly know me risked enough to call me friend. It was the sound of friendship. Couple of uh, couple of quotes. This was is by Robert Brault. I value the friend who for me finds on his calendar, finds time on his calendar, but I cherish the friend who for me does not consult his calendar. Robert Brault. And one more, Rita Mae Brown. The statistics on sanity are that one out of every four Americans is suffering from some form of mental illness. Think of your three best friends. If they're okay, then it's you. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. You can find more of Becky Lyles under the pen name Rebecca Carey Lyles. Her most recent novels, Winds of Wyoming and Winds of Freedom, have both won awards and made the Amazon bestselling list. Steve, well, he just really needs to get his stuff published. If you have comments or suggestions, send them to 
story at beckylyles.com. Tune in next week for more tall tales and fun fables at Let Me Tell You a Story.